0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Dead Jester Productions podcast, episode number 205. Appreciate you guys being here. Special guest this week is a YouTuber, content creator, Noah. Thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Happy to have you here. We've got some cool stuff to talk about. Before we jump right in, why don't we tell people a little bit about what it is you do, what you got going on over there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I'm Noah. I'm 27 years old, originally from chicago illinois and uh, currently living in south carolina i am a content creator i have a youtube channel called the entertainment zone where i like to talk about the different things in media that i'm enjoying so television books movies video games you name it
0: nice what do you uh what games do you do you typically like to play? I didn't even think to bring this up on the show. So you just mentioned it.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I grew up not so much as like a hardcore gamer and it wasn't until mm-hmm. high school that I started really getting into different games. So I've been a huge fan of the, uh, uh the Assassin's Creed series. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Red Dead Redemption series. Uh, I got into Watch Dogs a few years ago, so I usually come late to the party, um, <laughs> but I usually try and check out some of the big names in in video gaming.
0: So, based on those, you seem to be into like open world exploration games.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm not not too much into the RPG world or like first-person shooters Mm -hmm. um, don't really love what the Assassin's Creed games have turned into because they've started going more into that RPG mode, Mm -hmm. even though this last game was pretty good of a balance.
0: Um, The newest one? I forget what the new one is called even. But... Yeah, the new, the new one is the one that was supposed to be a DLC to Valhalla, I think, right? And they just kind of expanded it into its own thing. If I remember correctly.
1: Oh, oh you kind of broke up there.
0: Oh, sorry. Uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage. That's what I was thinking of. Couldn't remember their name. Yep.
1: the name. Yeah.
0: That's one that, yep. it, it was a DLC, kind of got made into its own game when they realized they wanted to make more money from it, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's essentially what happened. I've heard that it was
0: more not necessarily bare bones, but more down like a uh, smaller scope. It's similar to like the early games more as opposed to like Valhalla and uh, origins and Odyssey.
1: Yeah, I, I would say I, so I haven't played Valhalla, but I, I do think it's supposed to be a smaller map. It's certainly a shorter game because like you said, yeah. uh, it was, originally slated to be a DLC um uh-huh. and it definitely has the parkour mechanics of the uh older games and yeah. so that is kind of what got me into checking it out um because I had played Origins and then after that mm-hmm. I tried to play Odyssey didn't really love it didn't play Valhalla but when the announcement came out for Mirage, and there was all this talk about it being a mm-hmm. return to form. I was, um, I, I was intrigued, and so I mm. ended up getting it. And uh, yeah, it it was a pretty fun game that definitely was reminiscent of of the older uh, older games.
0: Nice. I forget when the uh, the first one came out. Uh, uh, two two
1: thousand seven, two thousand seven. Good grief! Yeah, and I actually just played it for the first time. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, a couple months ago. Uh, yeah right. it it was the most infuriating game I've ever it's, played. It's a, it,
0: it was a frustrating. I remember playing it a few months after it came out, and it even back then I was like, "Man, these controls are horrible!" <laughs> like trying to climb. I mean, a number of the games suffered from that, where you're parkouring up like a up a wall, and you're trying to either like jump in a certain direction, and it just flings you off the wall in a random direction that you didn't want to go in. Oh yeah, it was.
1: Yes, Assassin's (laughs) Creed Two, I remember, was Mm. probably one of the worst ones for it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, with the original game, it would like not if you wanted to use the hidden blade you could only use it in certain instances and if like you were in a fight with someone you would have to like quickly switch it over to be Mm. able to use it and it it was just so (laughs) irritating
0: there's a couple of those that people gave a really hard time about or they either gave them a hard time or they loved them and i was on the opposite side of them so assassin's creed 3 is the one that takes place like on the the eastern coast of the u.s like the during the revolution and but, i really enjoyed that game maybe because it was like where i've grown up it right. took place yeah. in. did you enjoy that game or are you one of the people that didn't like it i'm curious
1: so originally when it came out i was mm-hmm. very critical of it i remember i was I think a junior in high school at the time. Uh And, and yeah, I think coming off of uh, coming off of the Ezio games Mm. and having a protagonist that was very much um, stoic, uh, naive, not, not very captivating as a character annoyed a lot of people. It certainly annoyed me. Uh, I actually just finished replaying Assassin's Creed three uh, mm-hmm. about a week, about a week ago. And, um, it, I, I enjoyed it this time mm-hmm. around. I, I definitely think that Connor was a more fascinating character than a lot of people gave him credit for. Um, mm-hmm. I love, I, I like the combat, uh, I think my biggest problem with it is that they were starting to make the map larger, Mm -hmm. but they didn't populate it with like a lot of activities that you could do. Like they had hunting. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. when you would have to go to a mission marker, there was so much time that you spent having to walk through the frontier. And that got really, really old after a while.
0: Fair enough. The other game I, I, I was thinking of is uh, Black Flag. A oh, lot yeah. of people love that one, and I, I did not care for that one at all.
1: Yeah that that one was. I I didn't love the naval battles that they started doing, um, and mm-hmm. one of the things. <laughs> It, yeah, it just got so repetitive to have to constantly do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And then I felt like, um, I felt like it was so easy to fail a mission. Like it, it mm. wouldn't give you the time if you were trailing someone. Like if you lost the trail, it was very oh, hard okay, to yeah. get it back. So
0: yeah, I just maybe it was the setting as well but I just could not get into that one at all. I I tried playing it probably half a dozen times and every single time I'd get a, a few hours in and just be like, I can't do it. I didn't just couldn't get into it, which is weird because, and you said you, you weren't a fan of it. My favorite one was Odyssey. And again, oh. that's p- partially because it's, I'm a huge fan of, of that style of game, like the, you know, the Romans, things like that, like Greek, like, Greek history like that sort of thing is like something that's right up my alley anyway so I'm biased towards that time period and that theme but I didn't hate the ship combat as much I didn't love it I didn't go after it like I I avoided it if possible but I didn't hate it as much maybe because it was so much like landmass to run around on where it wasn't the focus of the game so much as in Black Flag
1: right yeah I I like the setting you know I Obviously mm-hmm. love the improved graphics. I, I think for me, I just don't like games that feel like a slog. I, I don't like grinding away mm-hmm. in order Fair to enough. progress yeah, yeah. in the story that um mm-hmm. that yeah, I just didn't have the patience for something like Odyssey or Valhalla. Man. Um no, were you uh a Unity like- guy?
0: one of the big complaints I saw was the world Assassin's was too creepy. big and there's just too much just stuff to do. Not even that it was like, it's just stuff that was just there just to be there and take up time. Not necessarily like deep or interesting where it's like, Hey, go collect, you know, random, you know, plants from the woods and bring them back to me. And then, you know, you have 15 versions of that same activity in every little right. town. Right. So it was just padding almost. Right. So I mean, that, that's fair. That was, that's a fair complaint. Like I, said, I, I, I think that was because I'd taken time off, like after Black Flag. I guess Origins is the only one in between Black Flag and Odyssey. Maybe I
1: can't remember. Uh no, no. There was mm-hmm. after Black Flag they did uh Rogue, and then after Rogue was oh, Syndicate. Yeah,
0: oh. Uh, oh. When, when was Unity? So. Y-
1: oh, uh Unity. Oh. Unity was between Rogue and Syndicate.
0: One of those was like the weird one where it was only on like Xbox 360 or something as well because a weird like non-backwards compatible version of a game. I forget one of them was weird. I don't remember. (laughs) But yeah, I think uh, Origins is the first one where it really started going in the direction more of like RPG elements as opposed to the others. Odyssey, obviously catapulted off that and valhalla i never finished valhalla but i played it a good amount and that one had a lot of similar themes
1: yeah yeah syndicate was the one that took place um uh it it was like the 1800s um london one the london one yeah and that that was kind of the beta version i think of origins because it did have some similar components where you had to level up uh your character
0: Didn't one of them have like brief moments of like time travel where you like wind up in Paris for instance and like you're shooting down a plane
1: Yeah that was Unity cuz it had okay. it, it had side missions where you had to rescue an initiate that was stuck in another uh another simulation within the an- uh, Animus okay.
0: I, I did not play any like those three. I just I think Black Flag had put me off to him for a while. I, one of the I forget one of those games in particular, I remember getting roasted for having so many like issues, glitches <laughs> and
1: things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was Unity.
0: OK. Yeah. They, yeah like, I think that kind of put me off at that time period. And then Origins, they jumped back in because I thought it was a cool looking setting.
1: Yeah. Unity and Syndicate were really the ones that were very panned by the critics and by the fans Mm -hmm. unity, because it had, uh, it had all these issues upon release. Um, Mm -hmm. and then they went with a specific tone in syndicate that really didn't work. Uh, so then they kind of changed everything up and that's when they started to go more down the RPG route. Mm -hmm.
0: So you, Moving away from Assassin's Creed, so you had Assassin's yeah. Creed. I know you said like Red Dead games. Yep. Um, do you do any like the online in those, or or is it you just focused on the single player side of it?
1: Um, you know, I so with Brotherhood, I had seen the multiplayer. Uh, mm-hmm. so I did a little bit of that, but now I'm I'm more of a uh, a main uh, story campaign kind of guy. I oh, okay. I I kind of. Do the main story. I do the side missions, and then I'm kind of on to the next thing.
0: Fair enough. Did you ever, did you play GTA at all? I know that's more of a shooter. I wasn't sure yeah. if you were interested. Okay. We
1: just I, go ahead. Oh,
0: go ahead. I was gonna say we just got back into that the other night. I had I had played it when GTA Online first launched, <laughs> and then they introduced like heists after a while, and then that's when I stopped. And then Klaus, part-time co-host. He uh he had been begging me for ages to like play GTA Online with him, so it was like two nights ago I guess it was. We hopped online to do some heists, and the game is still fun. It's it's fun to be able to like do those sorts of heists and things together. It it's online, but you don't like we're not we're in a private lobby, so we're not dealing with the random people flying around in jets blowing us up. And It was actually kind of fun. Right. I was I was happy I experienced it again for first time in years i do hate the microtransactions though <laughs> <laughs> yeah i right. hate
1: it i yeah i tried G A uh gta 5 didn't mm. love it not it wasn't exactly uh my kind of game but you know mm. i like you said i i enjoy any of the open world kind of stuff mm. so to do like some the kind of the of smaller
0: that was how it was yeah. when uh, Watch, Watch Dogs, was that an, actually a launch title for the Xbox One? I can't remember. I know it came out on Xbox One. I, th- I think it was one. Uh, maybe it was 360. But it came out right around, I, I don't remember. But I remember playing that, and that was one of those open world games where it's like, there's a bunch of collectibles, but it wasn't overwhelming. And so it just it was fun to just grind a lot of that sort of stuff out, which is what I like to do in a lot of games. Right. So what? Uh, what? All, what other games you got going on? I know other than the the vast open world games, do you do like? I don't know. I was gonna. There's so many other genres <laughs> I can't narrow it down.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I I kind of stick with what I like. So mm-hmm. I um I well I will say the other series that I really like is Mafia. So okay. um. I, uh, yeah, I've played all of them, um, I probably, an unpopular opinion that I have is that, uh, Mafia 3 is my favorite in the series, um, I know a lot of people weren't too keen on it, but that is one that I constantly go back to, there's just something about that setting, um, and- that gameplay that I mm-hmm. really enjoyed. Nice. Um, yeah. I never got into the mafia games. I remember
0: looking at three for a while, but yeah, never they're there to try it out.
1: A lot of fun, you know, um, they're very much, uh, you know, s- story focused. Um, they, mm-hmm. they do have some shooting, but you know, it's, it's not like uh first person shooting or, Anything like yeah. that, you know. I I like things that kind of feel like a puzzle. So you're working mm-hmm. your way through a warehouse, taking down the enemies, um, and that's just kind of more of the style of game that I tend to lean toward.
0: Speaking of puzzles, then, do you ever try like the the newer Legend of Zelda games?
1: I have not. I've tried uh, Tomb Raider, which
0: oh, okay. the like the newer ones, you mean?
1: Yes, the newer ones. Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: I remember playing um, the original. I forget if it was the first or second one. The original one on like the original PlayStation, and right. uh, they those that was back in the day when they actually had puzzles and games as opposed to like, oh, move this object, like pick up this clearly like glowing object and deliver it to the objective. Like right. that, yeah, it yeah. was uh, it was a different time. I feel right. like they've they really dumbed things down you. over time. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah i i used to like be hyper focused on like a couple of genres like i used to be either strictly like first person shooters like there was definitely a phase where it's like i played nothing but call of duty at all day every day it was one of those right. games where it's like it would come out like november or whatever and then at school we'd all get like super into it and then in the summer it's like all right we're gonna grind it out We're going to get everything unlocked, get the highest level. And yeah, over time, it's like I've gotten so much. It's not that I'm less competitive because I'm still a very competitive person in general. uh, But like, I just don't care (laughs) about being good at Call of Duty anymore. Like I, I got a a fortunate someone gave me a code for the new one Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank, Thankfully, because there's no ad pay for it. It is a is robbery. Uh, the fact that they're charging $70 for glorified DLC of used assets and is the, it's the laziest game I've ever seen made marketed at full price for a triple A title, but, right. uh, yeah. Like I, I tried the multiplayer. I'm like, all right, it's like, I, I, I'm bad at it. Cause I just don't play like competitive first person shooters anymore and I'm just there. Like, I just don't care, I'm just relax and doing my own thing. It's like, I just. I just want to have fun. I'm just not competitive about it. But yeah, like I used to be super into like call of duty. I would be really into like actual like RPGs that like this, you know, the elder Scrolls games, like Skyrim oblivion was my jam back in the day. Like the dragon quest games, uh, which are still great. Um, but yeah, and then like a lot of like, like I grew up with the original Nintendo console. So a lot of Mario, uh, I had the super Nintendo, like Mario, uh, Donkey Kong games. My girlfriend and I still play like the new Mario games as they come out. It's a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, I so I didn't grow up with Nintendo, but anytime that I would uh stay over at my godmother's house, her mm-hmm. son had a Nintendo, and so we would always play Super Mario 64. And yeah. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Um, it's. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. oh no, I was. I, say... I was... Go oh, God. No, I'm just going to stay ahead.
0: here. I'm just going to sit in my own business. Go ahead. Uh,
1: uh, no, all, all I was going to say is that, um, you know, my mom didn't really want us to have video games around the house. So it was mm. a few years uh before i got a playstation 2 and mm-hmm. it was the i later found out that there were even two versions of the playstation 2 and the one that yeah. i had was the one where you had to like put the cartridge in to turn on your controller and then you had to put mm-hmm. in the memory <laughs> card and um it, it was a whole a whole big ordeal. Um, but then that's kind of the, the more that I started to play games, uh, I was in a situation where I was just like, okay, I'm behind. I gotta, I gotta catch up. Um, Mm -hmm. and that kind of pushed me to start looking at, uh, you know, what, what was popular at the time.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, Super Mario 64, which got kind of me thinking like in my just from my own personal experiences, everyone I've talked that I know that have had a Nintendo 64 talks about it like it was the best Nintendo system ever. And it definitely came at a time where there was a lot of advancements with like the 3D games, like Super Mario 64, uh like the Mario Kart games. I think Ocarina right. of Time might have been on there for Legend of Zelda. Uh there's a ton of super like Nintendo 64 games that really revolutionized, uh, like video games in general. And it's the only Nintendo console I never had. (laughs) It's, it's one of the few consoles in general that I never had, you know, other than like the really old school ones, like the original Atari and like the Sega Genesis, I guess wasn't as old, but yeah, for like the main line between Sony, Xbox, uh, and uh, Nintendo, like I've had pretty much every console. But for everything that's the one i didn't have and that's the one that like everyone remembers so fondly i'm just right. like oh man i, I missed out
1: Missed <laughs> so, yeah, out. yeah yeah
0: yeah but nowadays i just i'm fortunate enough to be in a position where i can afford to just buy any of the new consoles as they come out and uh i remember if, i guess the new consoles came out not long before covid and everything maybe a little bit before that but yeah, I just remember everyone complaining. People still complain to this day about how difficult it is. Like, not much, but their eyes do still occasionally see complaints about people having trouble getting systems. And it blows my mind because I never had any problems getting an Xbox Series S or the PS5. And it was just weird to me, like hearing all these complaints like, oh, they're impossible to get. And then like I go to Best Buy to get a part for my computer and there's just consoles sitting there.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: But don't know. I. I've recently been able to get back into like playing more games Uh, with the holidays coming up. I've been home from work, Uh, (laughs) even though I I still do a ton of work here in the office at home. But I've had like a couple hours here and there where it's like, oh, finally can relax, do something that's not work.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, definitely.
0: Which is hard with like open world RPGs, like the games that you're talking about that you enjoyed, which again, I enjoy those as well but it's like those aren't the types of games where I can sit down for like an hour and play it. It's like those are the types of games where like I want to sit down for like 4 hours and actually yeah, dive right. into them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's frustrating. <laughs> but anyway, one of the uh mov- moving on from gaming, cuz I know it's that's not actually what we had lined up. I just got sidetracked. Uh <laughs> your Show the Entertainment Zone focuses on yep. uh you know, reality TV shows sort of in general.
1: Yeah. So right now, uh, as of the time we're recording this, uh, I've got big brother content on the channel. So, uh, for those of you that don't know, big brother is a reality competition program that airs on CBS, uh, usually during the summer months um into the early fall this season ended up airing a little bit later because of the uh the strikes and the need for content and so over the last few weeks of the season uh i have been posting videos up there uh just talking about the season giving my thoughts and um yeah, it's, it's a really fun show that is a lot of fun to engage with online with other people. Uh, it's a show that has a very dedicated fan base, but I don't think it's a show that a lot of people know about or know what it is. Um, hmm. But yeah, it's it's pretty much my summer obsession to be honest.
0: So how, how did you get into like reality TV and like big brother in general, I guess?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I actually got into it because of my mom. Um, she had seen my older cousin talking about big brother 14 when it was airing. Uh, she, would see her posting about it on Facebook all the time. And so mm. my mom turned it on one night and uh, she was really into it. I, at some point on one of the days that she was watching it, uh, got into it with her just um, because at that time uh, in that season, there was this returning player, Dan Giesling who is considered a legend of the game. He's like in contention for goat status. And I was really, really impressed with, uh, with the game that he played. And so pretty much from that season on, I would watch it every summer with my parents, with my sister And yeah, so it's going on 10 years now that, uh, that I've been watching.
0: Nice. So I I guess I'll ask this, like from my perspective, I've only seen one season of, of big brother, but I'm aware of like a lot of the other stuff. My girlfriend and her mom watched it together a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, to, to me, like the thing that takes me out of it is like the obvious interference from like the producers and things like that. Uh, A lot of times I know it gets edited out, but of the the actual broadcast, but to me, like, I think that's my like hold up with reality TV in general is noticing staged elements and things that are obviously put in by producers to like create drama and friction between the cast. Does that ever take you out of things or do you just are you just there to enjoy it for what it is?
1: So for Big Brother, I will say there definitely has been rumors of production interference. Um, Mm -hmm. The the thing with Big Brother is that it is a game that is being played. So obviously there are the edited episodes, but then there is a virtually 24-7 live video feed into the Big Mm -hmm. Brother house. Uh, that basically you can watch at virtually any time. Um, And so with the claims of production interference, I think uh, for me personally, I would say that it comes in the form of the types of competitions that Mm -hmm. uh, they have on Big Brother. So if production favors certain players they're gonna have more of a certain type of competition that they know uh is going to be a be easy for that player to win so like this season there was a lot of criticism because there were three players that kept winning very important competitions and Mm -hmm. Every competition that these players won were variations on competitions that they had already previously won. And so the fans were like, oh, no wonder that you gave them another, uh, you know, look at these two pictures and find the differences competition. And they won it because that's the same one they won last week, uh, Mm -hmm. So I will say I don't think there's any outright uh, riggery in terms uh, of—I will say I don't think there's any outright riggery. I do think there are certain things they can do that can tilt competition outcomes, which can make for a very— stale game that leans more towards a result that production wants um but that being said like there's still a game being played with these mm-hmm. other players they're still making choices um that they're not being forced by production to the, make uh, you cut out for uh, a second there. So i just think cool. uh, what's up we're still talking
0: there we go okay you're back it, it cut oh, out for a no, second I, so i, I didn't want to talk over you because it'll come through in the the final version oh
1: but, sorry um
0: yeah one i think one of the things that bothered me so i think like,
1: that uh um the
0: inter- the one-on-one interviews i forget what they're called uh that they do with like the contestants in the little room oh. um those i know are like uh, a lot of those are scripted according to production oh, by sorry production, did i break up there uh in order to make it like more entertaining i like i'm almost positive that was a thing that I saw a while back, uh,
1: that, and, uh, what was the other thing? Sorry. I I think you broke up there for a second, a minute.
0: Not sure why it keeps breaking up, but I go, uh, I was, I was just saying, I don't know if you can hear me better now or not.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay.
0: I was just saying like, I know, like the, the room where they do the one-on-one interviews, like those, like a lot of those, those dialogues are like scripted by the producers, like good portions of them apparently.
1: Yeah. So the yeah the, the diary room confessionals. Ones, those are something that in the show, like all the recent guests, years, the, yes, they are one hundred percent scripted paid, like, by production. You know, like every I will say. Uh, so
0: they, I think they can use that to skirt around the like game show rules to an extent, since they're not just competing for one grand prize; they're all getting paid anyway.
1: Um. Yeah, so they can. I things more. I I think that is more about the fact that you have the hardcore live feed watchers and then you have the casual watchers so essentially they can edit um or they can have two different shows so like um if there's a problematic player they can give them a more favorable edit on the show and mm-hmm. and like essentially protect that player whereas um you know on the live feeds you will you'll see that behavior you'll you'll see the um you're getting a more raw version of these contestants whereas with the show they're trying to make this Squeaky, clean um mm. network television show that uh definitely, I do think there is um, there is a benefit for the producers to hide certain things or portray certain things in certain ways, which I do definitely think can kind of hamper the quality of the show and make a show that is definitely more campy and silly and goofy than I think the actual game itself uh, is. Yes. Um,
0: I do know. I, 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 I know. Maybe it's just Big Brother in general. You cut out again for me on my end, so I'm not sure if you were still talking. I apologize. Um, but... Maybe Big Brother's not the best example. Like, I know, other than Big Brother, you know, what is the uh, TLC in general? That channel as a whole? The, like, what is this show? my 90 Day uh, Fiance. Oh, 90 Day Fiance. Yeah, I, I
1: is think. The one, is
0: it is that the one with all the international people? Like, it's always, like, a couple from You cut countries? out again. Or is that something different?
1: You cut out again. Oh, no, it cut out again
0: how unfortunate but i'll I'll keep talking until i hear you come back oh maybe you
1: cut out again
0: okay yeah i don't know what's going on it's not giving me any errors on my end but is 90 day fiance the one where it's always people from different countries like it's always like an american and someone from a different country generally
1: um that that i don't know because i i like i said i i watch like competitive reality tv I I, i i don't I, I don't really go for like the 90 day fiance Fair or enough. the love well, was, is blind.
0: Hmm. I um, was only bringing it up as like a to refer to those is like those are like reality TV shows where there's nothing to be won or lost. So those are like also very scripted where right. it's like a producer will step in and be like, you know, I bet he said this about you. How does that make you feel? And then it's like everyone gets all riled up and starts fighting again. Like, so yeah, like, I what was what is the uh, the one where they swap. Is it just wife swap? Is that what it's called?
1: Oh, where they swap wives.
0: I guess it's just called wife swap. I don't. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That one, I remember they would do a thing where it's like the wife would come in, have a fit about, they take, they would always take people who are like the complete opposite lifestyle, swap them. And then it's like, Oh man, this isn't going to work for me. And then a lot of times they'd, you know, have a fit and be like, you need to leave my house. You're having all these problems. And then you would, it would cut to like, you know, the husband said that he's willing to give her another chance, but in reality, it's like, Hey, you're contractually obligated to have her stay in your house for two weeks and we need the content. So she's coming back.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, that, um, in those types of shows where all you have is the footage, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the edited content, uh, that is definitely a case where the producers can make whatever show they want. Like even with Survivor, which I, I think is a great show. Um, I don't see it as, um, you know, I, I see it as fa- a fairly real show. That still is a case where they are shooting it months in advance. And so they can, edit whatever storyline. And so what ends up happening is you might hear, like we had a situation on survivor a couple of seasons ago where the winner got a terrible edit. She was just like completely invisible from the beginning of the game until the like midpoint of the game. And we find out later from interviews from other people that were on the island, uh, that this winner was actually really instrumental in a lot of the moves that were made during the season. And so people were very uh, pissed off that she got such an unfavorable edit because she was so active in the game. Um, And that just comes down to you know, production liking certain people better and feeling like certain people were more interesting. So then they basically create their own storyline to fit what they think will make a more interesting show. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that is a case where, you know, reality and, and what is portrayed on TV can be intentionally skewed.
0: I know survivor in particular, it doesn't affect the actual, like quote unquote, like gameplay of the, the show either, but they have like a teams of stunt people like reenact events so that they can get different shots, uh, for like the actual TV side of it. So like the, when they're showing like, uh, like the different challenges, uh, They'll, they'll be like, OK, you know, we wanted to do like aerial shots of the, you know, people doing the task or whatever, uh, but we can't do that because it will show off, you know, like all the camera people and all of like the support crew. So it'll show off like 100 people behind the scenes and it makes it seem less impressive and less like they're actually out there surviving. So they would wait until after the fact and just have these people like the stunt people reenact what happened so then they could film the aerial shot from the helicopter and not have like all the camera people in it. And that's a case of like, obviously not affecting the actual show, but it's an interesting like aspect of how do you film these things without it breaking the immersion of the show?
1: Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And
0: I, like that's one of the things where I'm like, okay, that makes sense. It doesn't affect the show in any way other than like the, the cinematography side of things. But right. That, I don't know. I, I guess that, that's just what rose me along the way with like the other like the shows I was talking about before where like they're called reality T V, but then they're anything but where there's right. so much interference just to make T V and not actually especially with like TLC being the learning channel. It's like yeah. man, how how far they've fallen.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, I, I definitely, definitely understand that.
0: One of the uh, the shows you mentioned before we started recording was The Circle. Can you explain yeah. what that is? Because I'd never heard of that.
1: Yeah, so The Circle is a show that originally aired in the UK where uh, essentially you have... Uh, I, I think they start out with 12 players that move into this apartment building They each get their own apartments, and they only communicate through this social media app called The Circle. And so basically what they do is they're able to create a profile, they're able to put uh, profile pictures on their profile, have a little bio, and that is kind of the the only impression that you have of people throughout the entire game and then every day uh you're able to communicate with the other players through the circle chat and there will be different activities that the players can do um in order to get to know each other better um and uh then that that's also a uh, a situation where it is a elimination game. So um, you'll get a little time to talk with the other players, and then the circle will say, "Okay, now it's time to rate everybody from your you know uh, the least your least favorite to your favorite person, and then the top two people." Uh, that are voted like most popular become influencers that then have the ability to block one other player in the circle. And so Mm. that keeps on happening uh, Mm. through different rounds and other people are able to come into the circle and be added into the circle as new players. And um, I will say one of the, biggest catches of the game is that you can either play as yourself or a catfish and so it's really about who can make themselves the most popular uh player and and get to the end of the game interesting Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah i guess it's based off of uh, the british show maybe a british version of it
1: Yes. Yeah. So they had the British version and then Mm -hmm. at the start of the pandemic, Netflix came out with a American version of the circle that's been running for uh, probably five or six seasons by this point. Okay.
0: So I'm kind of sidestepping here. You mentioned Netflix producing it. Netflix also made I think like a reality game show version of uh Squid Games, didn't, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yep, they did. D-
0: did you watch that as well?
1: I did not. I'm very much uh I I don't know what what they were thinking making <laughs> that I, show. I have not seen it. <laughs> yeah. I I uh I don't know what they were thinking so I I haven't really had any intention watched, of watching watched
0: it. the actual squid game show yeah and then i saw it wasn't i don't think it was terribly long after that came out they came up with like the the like the actual game show version of it and i was like okay they're clearly doing this to capitalize on the hype um but then i never heard anything else about it so i didn't know if it went over well or not yeah i, know, I like, youtubers obviously copied it and stuff too
1: yeah i i remember when it came out that They definitely came under fire because um, it's that idea is not really in line with the actual message of the original show. Um, Mm -hmm. I I feel like for a lot of people, it was the equivalent of Netflix coming out and saying, hey, here's the Hunger Games. Um, Oh, no. So I, it I out. think that was, we'll kind of, <laughs> yeah, you never know in this day and age. Oh,
0: I was going to, oh, I was, I was going to say you cut out right as you were saying it. so I didn't get to hear what you said.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, no, I, I, I was just saying, you never know in this day and age, they could decide, Hey, well, people like <laughs> this book series. So why don't we do it? Man. Um, but who Definitely. knows? Who knows?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, that's I, I feel like that's, it's a thing that happens a lot with, uh, this media in general where there'll be a thing that's popular and an attempt to capitalize on the popularity of that businesses will make decisions that show they clearly don't understand what it is, what the original message was, uh, where it's like, uh, what was the, uh, Oh crap. I can't think of the movie's name. Basically it was like a military movie where it's, it's just showing off like the mental trauma of uh, like, you know, what happens to people as they're going through combat. And sure. then they, the studio was like, we need a sequel for this. And the sequel I'm, was just like an absolute gun fest where it's like, the, they're just like in combat the entire film. And they're making like quirky, like one-liners the entire time. It's like, man, you guys clearly did not watch the first one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You can't uh, expect these big uh, studio executives to have some tact, I guess.
0: No, it's... I mean, I, I deal with a similar thing on a daily basis with, like, companies when I work with them, where they'll see the success of something, but only from a numbers perspective. So like, right. oh, this did really well numbers wise. Like, oh, let's do more of this. And it's like, yeah, but it, why did it do well? Uh, you know, it, you know, we just got to keep, do, you know, let it, figure it out. It's like, okay, right. okay, but just putting doing the same thing again does not guarantee success. Like, you're not understanding like why people enjoyed this or yeah. why this sells well. You know, it, it. I feel like that's what happens with a lot of these instances where it's executives that don't really have their boots on the ground so to speak they're just viewing it from the numbers side of things and so they don't they don't understand uh where the heart of, of a lot of the stuff is and so it it shows when they stick their fingers into projects and clearly screw it up because they don't know what it is they're actually doing right that exactly. or when they screw it up because they just don't want to pay they're just trying to cut costs and maximize profits that's also yep. a problem we run into a lot yeah. Oh, man. But uh, One of the last things I wanted to, to touch on here, too, was we had mentioned uh, The Wheel of Time and Brandon Sanderson. I guess we'll start with The Wheel of Time. Were you more of the yeah. book person, show person?
1: So I got into The Wheel of Time um, because I saw people talking about it on Twitter, about the Amazon show on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting recommended all these videos. Um, There's a popular YouTuber named Daniel Green, who is kind of known as the Wheel of Time guy, who did a great breakdown of kind of the uh, mythology of Wheel of Time for beginners. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna check out the series. I'm, I'm gonna check out the Amazon series, see if I like it because this may be the next game of thrones and i want to get in on this if mm-hmm. uh if it's good because yeah. uh i always felt like i kind of missed out on game of thrones even though i'm glad that i wasn't there at the end um <laughs> and so i watched like the first five episodes five or six episodes of the amazon series and actually really enjoyed it Um, which I know is not a popular opinion. And so I think it was by the time the finale of season one came out, I bought the eye of the world and then, yeah, I spent the next almost uh, 11 months reading the series and really, really enjoying it.
0: Nice. Have we, I don't know why there's, I mean, it's been brought up on our show here a number of times we've had different guests on where some of them love the the show or the books. Some of them hate the show, but they love the books and you know, any arrangement of the two and i never read the books. So I hadn't, mm-hmm. I had no information going into the show, but you know, they, Amazon was, they had ads for it everywhere. I'm almost positive. They had like little ads for it on like the tape they used on like their packaging and things like that. And so it was in my face all the time and people, like you were saying, it's like, oh, this could be the next Game of Thrones. And uh, I was one of those people that I had read the you know, the first few Game of Thrones books. I, I think I'd read the first two Game of Thrones books at the time the show was coming out. Uh, someone I knew had recommended them to me. So I was like, OK. And uh, so I got into the show, I was watching it. And then my girlfriend had not seen any of the show uh, until season I forget if it was seven or eight, but she got into it super late and I just remember rewatching it and being like, Oh man, this show is so good. So it must've been season seven. She started cause I hadn't, I wasn't jaded against it yet. <laughs> right. But I was like, this show is so good. You're going to love this. And she really enjoyed it. And then like season seven happened and then eight and she's like, man, I'm so sorry. I did that to you. <laughs> but like ah man, like we of time. I like again. I had no expectations going into it, no like right. information. It was just like perfectly clean slate, and I just didn't love it. Like I didn't hate it, I guess. Like looking right. back, and I don't hate it, but I just it just did not captivate me really. I think there's I'll, there's a number of issues that weren't huge, but they all add up. Like they're just tiny little things that all added up. Um, some of which was just editing issues right. i had with it at times um and then some of the guests we've had on have mentioned like actual like plot related decisions that they said didn't really make sense which i don't recall exactly like one of it was like the a guy having a wife where he said it doesn't really make sense because they meet someone else later down the line i don't know right. enough about it to to say um but yeah like i said it was just kind of like a average show to me but i guess the se- the second season is much better i don't know if you've seen that or not
1: so i did see the second season i would say mm-hmm. uh it was much better it kind of had this a similar issue where um where that last finale uh the season finale just was kind of a mess and didn't mm-hmm. really tie up the storylines super well um that there was definitely so one of the things that i thought as i was watching season two was that the way that the wheel of time books are written is that you will have um you will have books where you'll have two or three uh, like main character POVs. Um, mm. There's like hundreds of POVs throughout every single book, oh, you. but you'll have a few main character POVs and there will be one, one or two characters that you spend a good deal of time with. And then yeah. you'll have another character POV where they'll kind of start their storyline in one book and then they'll just leave it in a certain place where like it's not finished but they'll pick it yeah. up again. Mm-hmm. They'll you know pick it up again. Uh and I feel like that's the way that they were writing that they have been writing uh the Wheel of Time TV show. I felt yeah. like there were some characters we spent a lot of time with and then there were other characters where it felt like they got half of a storyline, and so Mm -hmm. I think that was a big issue for me with the season 2 finale is that because there were characters that didn't feel like they had full season arcs, Mm -hmm. um, but then they were in the finale, and like did have a finale, uh, I I just felt like um yeah, I, I just felt like there were storylines that uh got closed up that didn't have the time dedicated to them, um, mm-hmm. that uh were not full storylines to begin with. So then when they ended, I was just like, well that wasn't earned. Um mm-hmm. but I, I think that's what they were trying to do but in a series where you only have eight episodes a season like no you've got to devote enough time to each character and give them their proper story arcs and that just isn't happening
0: yeah yeah i don't know it it's reminiscent of some of the ways they've handled game of thrones as the show where it's like you know what this, I mean, like from the showrunner's perspective, it's like you know what we want to wrap this up, cut out. So uh, everyone's just going to meet up, and then we're going to have the finale. Like it, it, we just have to have everyone here. It doesn't need to make sense. We just need to wrap everything up. So just cut to everyone being where we need them to be, and it. I think that's part of what made it so frustrating among so many other things. But right. yeah, it's it's bothering. Um, did you see uh, what was the the Lord of the Rings show? Uh, Rings of Power.
1: Rings of Power. I never really got into the Lord of the Rings. I I tried I tried to read the first book and just felt like there was so much lore. Um, you know, they'd be walking through a forest and mm-hmm. uh, Tolkien would have to give you the whole like geography yeah. of that. <laughs> forest and yeah, the whole history absolutely um, the case. <laughs> and, yeah and and so that kind of made it so that i got turned off of fantasy for a long time um <laughs> and then i go on to I like read the idea
0: of, like this guy that's like known as like one of the, like the godfathers of like high fantasy in general it's just like it, it ruined fantasy for me I just like that he's the guy that did that for you. That's that's kind of funny. yeah.
1: I I know that's heresy, and and the funny thing oh, it is, it doesn't bother me. It's
0: just entertaining.
1: So the thing is, so then I get into the Wheel of Time, right? And mm-hmm. like, uh, Robert Jordan, the guy that started the Wheel of Time, he mm-hmm. has a similar issue where, like, he doesn't necessarily. Well, I guess he does do it with lore, but his big thing. Is that he will, like, the characters will go into uh, a lodge and he will describe every single thing in that lodge, from the chairs to the silverware to the paintings on the wall. Um, And so he's also someone that is incredibly uh, verbose and will devote page time to things that just kind of make everything slow to a crawl. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yet I was able to get through it and, and I don't know uh, what exactly that says or why that is, but uh, it's kind of funny.
0: Yeah. Then uh, we had mentioned Brandon Sanderson. Uh, He's, he's the one that also was working on uh, the wheel of time after you cut out uh, again, Robert Jordan passed away. So it's, He's a. I don't know if you've how much of Brandon Sanderson you've read outside of Wheel of Time, if at all, but it is interesting, like how they deal with that. Cause I imagine they're gonna have to do something similar with Song of Ice and Fire, like
1: Game of Thrones. Sorry, books. you cut out again? Cause there's just for like 30 seconds. No chance George
0: R. R. Martin finishes those books. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's sad to say. Actually, I shouldn't laugh, but yeah, it's just I find it impossible to believe he's gonna finish. Those, uh, you, you. He's going... Oh, I'm sorry. I cut out again. I guess you for
1: about a minute.
0: Oh, two geez. minutes. I don't know yeah. what's going on. I, I was going to say uh, Brandon Sanderson obviously worked on Wheel of Time after Robert Jordan passed away, and I'm curious if how, how they're going to do the same thing if uh, George R. R. Martin passes away before finishing the Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones books, which is very likely. It seems.
1: Oh yeah, I. Those books are never getting finished. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, it, it's just funny every time that I go on Reddit and see an article about George R. R. Martin because I know that I'm going to see people complaining in the comments about mm. you know what a hack he is and, <laughs> and uh, how nobody nobody cares, but everybody is very much opinionated uh, mm. about him. <laughs> Well, I think
0: part of it, too, is like it gets frustrating where he says he's working on the books, but then he'll do interviews talking about how he's working on so many different like Game of Thrones spin-off shows. And yep. he's he has like the Fire and Blood prequel book, which there's going to be a second part of that. Uh, The Dunk and Egg side stories. He wrote like three of like 12 potential ones, I think he said or something. I forget how he phrased it, but like he has all these side projects he's working on at the same time and people are like please just finish the the main story that you're making these side projects on
1: yeah i i am worried you know because i've gotten into Brandon Sanderson now and the mm-hmm. the cosmere um that uh he i think his plan is that it's going to take like 25 years for him to finish the entire Cosmere. So I am uh, kind of worried that we'll be in the same, um, same kind of boat as the games, game of Thrones fans are. Um, Even though I think Brandon, you know, plots things much better and, and definitely is, uh, way more interested in finishing that project than George R. R. Martin.
0: Uh, I'd, uh, I had to look ever it is. up. Brandon Sanderson, at least, is only forty-seven years old, so he's. It's not like he's George R. R. Martin's age. I looked up George sure. R. Martin is seventy-five years old. Yeah, there that, is no chance he finishes the series. Like, not to like, b- like bully people, I guess, but like he's seventy-five years old. He's obviously not in great shape to, to put it very nicely. Like, there's just no way he finishes, especially at the pace he's it's been how many years he's been working on this one? I don't even remember. Like, even that even if it takes 10 years to get the next one out. If you release uh if you release this The Winds of Winter tomorrow and it takes him 10 more years, do I think he's gonna live to 85 and finish the book? I don't know. I don't know. It's not not I ideal i don't think he's gonna happen yeah no I, like, I i don't remember what the i'm not as like invested in the cosmere is the the universal like stormlight archive series right yeah i don't know yeah. what the can you outline like the plan that he has for that because i'm not familiar with it. i have i have four of the i guess it, he has four of the books out so far
1: yeah so he with the cosmere he's Got two, uh, two main series. So he's got Mistborn, and there's two eras of Mistborn, uh, two different trilogies within the Mistborn series. Um, and then he has the Stormlight Archive, uh, which mm. I think he is working on Stormlight Five right now, uh. Yeah. And so I know I, I don't know the broader plan because I literally just got into uh, his books a few months ago. Uh-oh. But um, I know I think he's looking at there's going to be 10 books in the Stormlight Archive. Uh, okay. I know there's going to be at least another era of Mistborn. And then he's got this other series, Elantris, which I know that Mm -hmm. he is going to be making uh, two sequels to at least. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, that's at least his plans for the next few years.
0: Interesting. Oh, -hmm. I see. I pulled it up here. So it looks like the fifth book is entitled for it tentatively right now is knights of wind and truth scheduled to be released in 2020 november of 2024 interesting yeah i have the first four books but i like i said i've i've been reading those but i've not dived into like the overarching like universe or anything like that i was just reading these because it was recommended but yeah it's it, it is interesting like i going back to what we said about like finishing the books, like hopefully Brandon Sanderson is able to finish his universe. It's very frustrating when creators of these universes that you thoroughly enjoy it, they're beloved and they just spend so much time focusing on it that it just gets bigger and bigger to the point where they're unable to like finalize their vision for it because they just keep expanding upon it. And uh, yeah, you know, sometimes it's not even their fault. Like sometimes it, you know, health issues get in the way. Like there's a series I, I read where the, the author just has, uh, some health issues. So every time a release is supposed to come out, it's like, Oh, it's delayed. I couldn't finish it. Cause I've, I'm in the hospital. It's like, Oh shit, that sucks. I'm sorry. But yeah, it's on one hand, it's like, I really appreciate if they'd finish it. Cause I don't want it to like, just end and not have like a conclusion. But the other, on the other hand, it's like, well, obviously, I want, I want him to get better, be healthy, right? Then there's, then, then it happens. There's a, uh, there's a series I had read a while back where the author just went to prison. I think for like, I think tax evasion. <laughs> it's like, ah, <laughs> uh, well, at least he has time in prison. I... He could be writing it, maybe, right? <laughs> right. But
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, I think with uh I think with the Cosmere I know there is going to be a Cosmere book written by a friend uh, a friend of Brandon's uh named Dan Wells uh mm. so it is possible that he invites more writers into his fray so that you mm. know it, if he were to fall ill then maybe I could potentially see someone else taking on that mantle um mm-hmm. but I don't know
0: interesting yeah i I do enjoy that sort of thing like to an extent right because like i I don't like it when you have to have like hours upon hours of time investment to like understand what's going on and I've criticized the current state of like films for this, like the yep. Marvel Cinematic Marvel. Universe, yep. the DC one to an extent, even though they've screwed it up so badly, there's no reason to deal with it anyway. But right. like everything has to have a universe now. And I find that super frustrating. Like I'll use the Mar- Marvel Universe as like the primary example of it because it's the biggest, most successful one. I don't want to have to watch 35, 40 movies to get caught up on everything that's going on. Like it, to me, it like it's, I, it, on one hand it is kind of impressive how they're able to weave all these stories together. But on the other hand, it's unne- it's completely unnecessary. Like it, and I've said it this way before on the show here where it's, it's not even about making quality products at a certain point. It's just about content and an, an amount of it and making as much as possible where every single project is just a stepping stone to the next major one. And then that eventually is just a stepping stone to the next phase. And I find that super frustrating because it's like, I just want good individual movies and TV shows to watch. And yeah, it's, it's so hard to get into.
1: Yeah, I agree. I watched phase one of Marvel and mm-hmm. um didn't really care for any of them. My favorite in the bunch was Iron Man 2, which I know is a lot of people's <laughs> least favorite uh movie in that phase. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I I don't think this is for me. And and yeah, it's like you said, it just becomes about making content. Um the movies all have a similar DNA to them, so it's Mm -hmm. not even, um, you know, you can theoretically enjoy a movie on its own, but it's like, if it's not doing its own thing, then, uh, you know, it's probably not going to be very entertaining. Um, I I Mm -hmm. think with, with the Cosmere, I like the way that it's set up, that he's the way that it works is that he has these series like Mistborn or Wax and Wayne or the Stormlight Archive, and mm-hmm. they all exist within the same universe. But, yeah. like, you can just read Mistborn if you want to, you can just read yeah. Stormlight Archive. And then the way that they're all connected is like little Easter eggs. So, mm-hmm. um, you don't technically have to read them as one big thing. Um, I'm just kind of doing it that way because, uh, because I think it'll be fun. And I mean, uh, you know, Brandon, I think really uh, is passionate about what he does. And so even if he's churning out five books in a year, you know that there, it, there at least going to be five books that he really believes in, and mm-hmm. so you know you're going to at least have a journey um, that uh, that I think is really cool.
0: Yeah, and like you said, like, I can appreciate like having the overarching like universe to things. It's just, I hate when they give you homework to do, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> that, for that's sure. That's frustrating. For like, sure, absolutely. It, it's just, it's too much. Like, y- you have to, I'll, if you you just have to make it accessible is the thing, I guess. It's just, yeah. it, if it becomes too daunting of a task, it becomes inaccessible to the masses, so to speak. And it just turns people off, like it at a certain, like how it's been like 12 13 years probably for the marvel movies yep. like it's going to be hard for like new people to start jumping into it and like getting caught up because it's just it's so much content i mean how many movies do they put out a year like two or three three or four maybe yes so like mainline yeah. movies they have like four to five it's like tv series that they do and it's like geez, like i just I mean, I, I'm biased in that I'm not huge on superheroes to begin with, but right. even so, it's like, man, it's just all I see are like all these different shows and movies you're putting out. It's like I don't want to watch four move, four movies and three TV shows in a year, as though it's just one piece of like overarching content. Like it's just exhausting. I, if they, Game of Thrones did that, if they had like four Game of Thrones shows going at the same time. I would just give up. I wouldn't watch it because it's just too much. And I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan, even with the travesty of of season eight, which is one of the worst human experiences possible. Like I'm still a huge fan of the books in the series and I'm eagerly waiting for the rest of the books to come out to see like what the difference is between the show and how he wraps it up in the books. Cause it's going to be different for sure. There's a lot of different characters. I want to know what happens. But man, it's just, you can have too much of a good thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, um, so I'm also a big fan of Doctor Who, the sci fi Mm. show. And, uh, they, so that show is coming back and it's coming back under the showrunner that brought, Revived the show back in two thousand five, and his vision for the future is to kind of have a Marvel esque um, television universe. So uh, there are different um, there are different things that exist in the lore of Doctor Who that he is wanting to spin off. Um, Mm -hmm. So. That is something that I am hesitant about, uh, but at the same time am excited about. So at the very least, that I think is uh, a project that I will undertake, but that is also something where I have a personal investment in Doctor Who already that I'm interested to see what they can do Inside of this universe,
0: fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like reiterating what we've been saying is like I feel like too like the extended universe that they they keep setting up for things. Mm-hmm. It also makes it difficult because you have so many different actually I guess studios, but like you have so many different teams working on all these different projects that then have to communicate to make it all fit together. So the plot lines like just get so convoluted, or it's like all right, how do we fix this? Uh, so multiverse now and then that way, you know, this doesn't even have to be a part of it anymore, but this character can just suddenly wind up where we need him to wind up. And it just, it just makes for so many plot holes and like conveniences where it just, it ruins any sense of like gravity in a lot of situations where it's like, oh my God, everything is terrible now. Well, time travel and we're going to another universe. Everything's okay. It's just, it ruins like the value of a lot of things for me in, in certain instances. But right, yeah. Okay, so, like, with Doctor Who, like I'm not going to complain. I, I've I, never seen Doctor Who. So <laughs> a lot of people will hate me for that to begin with. But like I say, I don't know how the extended universe can work in that show, knowing nothing about it. But like my just based on what I know, I do know about Doctor Who. It's like I can see like there, maybe it'll be great. I have no idea. I don't want to crap on something without knowing anything about it. But the thing I can see like there'd be problems with would be spreading out their content to the point where they're now, instead of focusing on crafting like very well thought out storylines and plot points, it becomes focused on how do we just connect all of this? You know, it, it just becomes focused on spreading the widest net possible while maintaining the connection between all of it as opposed to just one strong cohesive story which is right. what I feel like happens with a lot of these extended universes and spin-offs and things like that right but who knows maybe maybe it'll work out'm I'm not I'm not gonna I'll give them the benefit of the doubt since they haven't even done it yet right but yeah who knows other sure. than uh, before we wrap up here we're a little over an hour before we wrap up what uh what other shows and or games do you have coming out uh in the future that you're looking forward to
1: Oh boy, um, games. Uh, nothing much. I've I've kind of been out of it for a while, so I need to kind of again dip my toes in and, and see what people are talking about. Um, as far as shows are going, uh, I so I'm I'm watching two things right now. Right now, I started watching this new show called a murder at the end of the world uh which is
0: just started watching that the other night
1: yeah yeah it's it's an all right show it it's pretty good Mm -hmm. um it's the same creators that did the OA which was uh -hmm. it has a devoted fan base from Netflix so uh I'll probably be covering that on the YouTube channel. Oh, nice. um, aside from that, I uh, speaking of being late to the party, I recently started watching Lost. Um, oh, that's so, a
0: really current, relevant show,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I recently got into it, and uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically what I'm doing.
0: Nice. Yeah. We, uh, I, I could not even tell you what games are coming out that I'm looking forward to at this point. I feel like everything I was interested in has released this past year. I'm sure there's stuff I've seen that I've forgotten about, but yeah, that and like TV, sh- I I don't know. Maybe I'm just jaded because I spend so much time like listening to content while I work. Uh, but man, it, I don't know. I, I, we're going to watch. I think Oppenheimer comes out on the 24th. We're recording this on, the, on November 19th for people's reference. I think Oppenheimer comes out on video on demand on Tuesday. So we'll probably end up watching that. Um, And then killers to the flower moon. It's a Leonardo DiCaprio film. I don't know when that comes out, but we'll watch that as a film, but a whole lot else. I've been disappointed lately. I don't know why. I think I'm just. I think I'm just jaded and miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a Maybe. grumpy old man. I'm just like nothing's good. It was better back in my day.
1: Yeah, I I haven't seen too many. Um, not too many movies. I I haven't seen people talking mm. about too many. Shows, which I mean, of course, that makes sense for, uh, right now. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, hopefully, hopefully, we pick back up here in the next year. Uh,
0: something comes out that catches my attention. That I don't know why this is. It's not necessarily a complaint, but like I, it's something I've noticed, and I don't know if it's just me, maybe. but my girlfriend watches a ton of stuff on Netflix, particularly like mini series or just films in general. But like (laughs) everything looks identical, not necessarily like plot wise, like visually everything like on Netflix, I feel like looks identical. And I don't know why if it's, if it's Netflix, just like shooting it all in the same style. I, I don't, I have no idea, but to me, like everything looks like it's, it's filmed on the same not necessarily the same set, but like with the same camera crew setup or something. It visually they all look so, so similar and it's weird. I don't know why I, I think that I've never heard anyone else mention it. So I think it's definitely just me.
1: But yeah, you know. I I definitely feel like, yeah, there's the same kind of visual language and yeah. I don't know what that is. I, I think everyone's going for a very cinematic look. And so yeah, there's just the same visual language and in, in many Interesting. different things, but yeah, I don't know what mm-hmm. it is.
0: Yeah. Cause like, I don't, like I said, like they had uh, what was extraction is the Chris Hemsworth, like action film. They made two of them like I, that. It's a completely different style of film compared to like a true crime film movie i just name whatever netflix created ones on there like for whatever reason i'd be like these look like they're shot in the exact same camera in the exact same lighting and i don't know if it's just the way netflix like if if they have like the same editors for all of them or something but like it just for whatever reason i'm like man these look so similar and they could be shot completely different locations they're completely different like themes like Haunt the Haunting of Hill House like or all like Mike Flanagan's work in general like I get all of his stuff will probably look similar because it's it's him it's just him and it makes sense he has a certain style but I'm like even just like the I don't know I don't I just don't know what it is it's not complaint not complaining about it it's just it's something I notice and I'm like it, I don't know why but it's like something about it is just it's like uh what is the uh I can't remember what it's called when you like it's like visually when you look at like a robot's face and you can tell that it's not a human, but it looks
1: so similar. Oh, like a uh, uncanny Valley.
0: Yes. Uncanny Valley. Thank you. Uh, it's like an uncanny Valley, but with like film on Netflix. Right. <laughs> like yeah, I'm yeah. just looking at them like, what is this? Why, why is this putting me off for, for some reason? Right. But I don't know. I've ran about Netflix enough. They need to <laughs> up some of their games. I feel like too many of their shows have the, the same plots as well, but yeah. Oh, well, Oh, anyway, that's, that's all I had. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up here.
1: Uh, no, no, I, I think I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much. Where can everyone go to, to check out your content?
1: Yes. So you can find me on YouTube at the entertainment zone and you can follow me on Twitter at Noah. Massey. that is M u s s a y and yeah i'm uh same handle on all of the things
0: awesome links will be in the description you guys can go check out dead jester productions live it's got links to all of our stuff on there and uh yeah thank you so much for being here man i I really appreciate it had a good time yeah thank you awesome thank you so much for listening everybody And uh, it's been episode 205 of the Digestive Productions podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.